Hi, back again. This is Matt. Thanks for listening to True Sleep. I'm hoping that this podcast will help you meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. I'm trying to make it better each time. Your feedback would be a huge help. Your support would be a huge help. I always feel awkward asking for any kind of support, but if you could take the time to rate this podcast, a high rating would be ideal, or write a review of the podcast. It does help more people to find it. Uh, you could also subscribe to it so that it downloads automatically. That would be great. You could also share it with someone who you think could use some help because they are restless or they struggle to get to sleep and they could use that time to meditate on scripture. So with that in mind, I'll be right back and we're going to meditate on Job chapter two, which is crazy. I don't even know why I'm doing this to myself. This is such a bizarre passage of scripture, uh, not a likely one to meditate on before going to get some rest, but all of God's word is breathed out by him and profitable. So we'll get into it in just a second. Job chapter two, here we go. If you've listened to this podcast for very long, you might notice that all the episodes so far have been in either Genesis, Job, Isaiah, Matthew, Romans, or Revelation. There's a reason for that. I'm trying to give a well-balanced diet of scripture meditations that touch on all the different genres of scripture. And so it's time in my system to be in Job chapter 2. This isn't a passage that you would immediately turn to for meditation while you're trying to rest, but often those are the very best passages to turn to. So we're going to read it. We're going to try to visualize and take seriously every word of it. I am not going to pretend that I fully understand it, and I promise I won't try to offer any interpretations or applications that I'm not certain about. So we'll probably just pass over some of the more mysterious elements of this passage. I don't want this to turn into a lecture and also don't want to mistakenly throw out any false teaching. So this is mysterious. I'm going to be honest with you. I have to be humble about this. I can't pretend that I fully understand what's going on here, but it'll be rich for meditation tonight. So Job chapter 2, we're just going to read verses 1 through 6. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and up man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. Now, let's go back to the beginning and just take 
each word and phrase seriously for itself. Let it speak for itself. Starts with the word again. So Job, if you'll recall, has already undergone a great deal of suffering, intense, colossal disaster. He lost his livelihood. He lost his family. But he did not curse God. He blessed God and he worshiped in his grief. We've already looked at that in a previous episode. But again, more trouble comes to Job. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, we always try to visualize what we read in Scripture in this podcast. It's a good way to meditate. I don't know what to tell you to picture here. I'm just going to read it and let you, based on your Bible knowledge, try to see in your mind's eye this happening. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, as if that isn't difficult enough for our minds to wrap themselves around. Next, it says, And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. How can Satan be in the presence of the Lord? The passage is not interested in explaining any of it. It's more journalistic. It's just telling us this happened. So we're forced to just read on. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Now when the Lord asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, it's because he's engaging the individual that he's speaking to and drawing them in to the conversation, to the interaction. From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. So it would seem Satan, who is real, biblically, Satan is real. We don't like to think about him. We don't often acknowledge him. That at least in this instance, part of his practice is to travel around on the earth. Just move about. On the earth, he's not omnipresent like God is. But in his spirit form, the verb used here, going and walking, up and down on the earth. We so badly want explanation, and the Bible just is not giving it here. This is not a passage meant to develop a doctrine of demons and Satan or angels it's just telling us this happened. So we have to sort of just take it and keep reading. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? So it isn't here that Satan comes to the Lord and says, May I have permission to inflict suffering upon Job, the Lord brings it up. This at first just seems like it must be a typo. It just seems wrong to our, our modern Christian ears, but the Lord brings it up. Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What about him? That there is none like him on the earth, 
He's blameless. There's nothing that anyone could credibly accuse him of. He's upright. He fears me. He fears God. And he turns away from evil. Now this, at this stage in redemptive history, this is a portrait of a a very godly man. Anytime we run up upon a portrait like this, we can't help but compare it to ourselves and see where we stand. And I always want to encourage you to do that. Are you blameless? Are you upright? Do you fear God? Do you turn away from evil? Now, if the standard is perfection, I can answer that for you, not even knowing you, that the answer is no, 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 and no, because the Bible clearly teaches that no one is perfectly blameless, upright, God-fearing, and allergic to evil. And that is where Jesus comes in. Praise God for Jesus Christ, who came and died for blameworthy, crooked, God-rejecting, evil-loving people like me and like you. Praise God for Jesus Christ, our Savior. But Job, in this stage of redemptive history, this is uh, how God characterized him. And so he wants to talk to Satan about him. And God continues, he says, Job still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. There's so much here. Let's pause for a minute. Job was a godly man, and yet he experienced colossal suffering. And it was in no way triggered by his own sin. Now, I point that out because it may be that part of your restlessness is caused by suffering that you're experiencing. And you might be wondering, what did I do to deserve this? Well, that might not even be the right question. And there may not be any dots to connect between a decision you made or something that you did and the suffering that you're experiencing. Job is the example of someone who experienced suffering that was not a result or a consequence of his own sin. And so the trouble that you may be experiencing in your life, it may be a consequence of your sin or folly, but not necessarily. It wasn't for Job. Now, the other thing that's to be pointed out here is that Job's suffering I'm trying to figure out how to say this so it doesn't come across uh, in a way that's hard to hear or accept, but God was very much behind it. Now, he was behind it in the sense that he allowed it, but he, he definitely allowed it, and in this case, he's almost instigating it. Now, I know that that causes a lot of big question marks to pop up, but we have to let the Bible speak for itself. And in a way, I think that that's more comforting. So let's take a minute and think about some of the suffering that we've experienced 
and think about the difference that it makes. I'm going to give you about 10, 15 seconds of quiet to think about this. So here's your prompt. Think about just one or two examples of suffering in your own life. And think about the difference it makes, whether that suffering was outside of God's control or under God's control. In other words, I think it's clear biblically that God is fully sovereign even over the things that cause our suffering, as we see here in the case of Job. Now, is that more or less comforting than the alternative possibility, which would be that God had no control over it, would have stopped it if he could, didn't see it coming, was as surprised as you were? I think it's more comforting to know that God is still in control. In our suffering, we can look over and see him on his throne, and he is, he is not disturbed, he is not panicked, he is not shocked. And we can know that this is somehow some part of some bigger, greater plan of his. So I just want to give you 10, 15 seconds of quiet to think of a, one or two examples of suffering in your own life to process in these terms. What difference does it make to know that God is still sovereign, was still sovereign, even during that suffering? Okay, God makes the point that Job, in his suffering as a godly man, he held fast to his integrity. He didn't break apart. He remained who he was through and through, which was a God-fearing, blameless person. We don't have to let our suffering break us apart. We can hold to our integrity, like Job did. But let's read on into verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So Satan's argument is, yes, Job has held up pretty well under this level of suffering, but there's a limit, and if you'll let me push him a little further, he will cross that limit and he will curse you to your face. I think this is a good juncture to think about our own limits. Is there any amount of suffering that would cause you to turn against God? Is there any amount of suffering that would cause you to turn against God? And finally, verse 6, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So here again, God is going to allow some intense suffering into Job's life. Not because he was too weak to stop it. Not because he was ignorant that it was coming. But purposefully to demonstrate that suffering in this world is not always caused by our sin and that God's people can remain faithful in the midst of it. 
And so that's what I'll leave you with and encourage you to think about. I want to encourage you to process any suffering you're experiencing right now. Realize that it's not necessarily some result of your wrongdoing or something bad in you. And that it is not outside of God's control. And therefore, you can remain faithful to the Lord even in the midst of suffering. And you can hold fast to your integrity. I would encourage you just to talk to God candidly about whatever suffering maybe you're experiencing. Uh, Ask Him what it's all about. Ask Him to help you to stand firm. In fact, we'll ask Him together, and I'll pray for you right now. Father, this is a, a heavy one to meditate on. But I trust that you will use it well because often when we're restless, it's because we're suffering and we just can't bear to look at it head on. But as your people, we can. We can look honestly at our suffering. And I pray that you would help my brother and sister who are listening to this right now to do that. Would you enable them to talk to you in prayer about it? Would you comfort them, strengthen them, help them to hold fast to their integrity? Help them not to turn against you. Help them to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.